Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host and business manager, Richard Pereira. Joining me today is lead photographer, Eston Parker, and staff writer, Kevin Garcia. Hey, hey guys, how's it been going throughout this past weekend? Doing good. Been a pretty good week, pretty good weekend. Can't complain. Yeah, same here, same here. Been, been going pretty well. Mm-hmm. And uh, starting off today is FU men's basketball. As their last two games this past weekend, or week, um, had some pretty good wins. Very convincing and really showed the progress they have done, they have made throughout the season. Uh, especially uh, last Thursday against Louisiana Tech, who was a very good team coming out from the West Division. Currently at, close, at, at the very least close to the top of the standings in the West Division of Conference USA. And FEU pulled off the upset with an 83-73 win. And then they topped it off to end the weekend with an 84-57 blowout against Southern Miss. So, guys, how, how, what do you think of the men's performances this past week? I, I think it's really encouraging, um, especially as we get into the latter half of the season where it's pretty much conference play at this point. Um, defeating a team like Louisiana Tech, which, granted, it was at home, um, which we, I mean, we're currently riding a nine-game winning streak at home, but, you know, defeating a team led by someone that played for the U.S. national team over the summer in Kenneth, Kenneth Lofton is really impressive. Um, their defense was particularly good against Louisiana Tech. Um, Everett Winchester did a really good job being the primary defender on him. Um, we saw a lot of, honestly, a lot of triple teaming um, against Lofton in that game, but I think what most stands out to me in that is Lee Forrest Lofton, who is a really good distributor of the ball, to turn the ball over five times. Um, he got he made five of Tech's eleven turnovers, and I think that um, was a really good sign. And then to follow up against Southern Miss um, and just take care of business um, was really encouraging. Um, this is. I think the team is coming at the stride now, um, which is really good. They, they, you know, there's still plenty of time left in the season, but if they can keep up this run of form, they look like conference contenders. Absolutely. I agree with that, um, Eston. Yeah, I mean, the, the offense balance, the offensive balance attack is one thing that really I took note of. In the, the game against um, – Louisiana Tech, we had four players in double digits. And then against Southern Miss, we had five players against in uh, double-digit points. So it's uh, it's impressive to see just the way the offense has been clicking. Yeah, our record now, we sit at 14-9 and nine on the season. So, that's, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty convincing record. And I think, yeah, I think we could definitely be contenders. I think you're, you're absolutely right on that. Yeah, definitely. It was a it was a great week for FU men's basketball against Louisiana Tech. They almost had three players score over twenty points or more. Yeah, Brian Greenlee being close with nineteen. Then you see my, uh, Elijah Martin and Michael Forrest with twenty one and twenty points respectively against Louisiana Tech. And then you see the Southern Miss game where it wasn't even close after the first couple of minutes of the first half. It 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 was a clear win for FAU, and they had really had a balanced offense in the night and had a great. A uh, great, great game from Brandon Weatherspoon, who came off the bench to score a team high 16 points and a season high as well. So kudos to FE Men's Basketball 
and hopefully they keep up the progress. And as of this recording, they will face Old Dominion today at 6 on Tuesday. And then after that, they head out on the road to Bowling Green, Kentucky to take on Western Kentucky at 8 p.m. on Thursday on ESPN+. Plus. So they, they are also they are also currently top of the East in That's Conference true. USA. That's true. So. Yeah, hopefully they can keep the top spot in the East, but we'll see what happens from there. And moving on from men's basketball, we have women's basketball. And man, is like whenever they get close to a victory, they just keep uh, coming up short. And this past week was pretty much no different. Well, after the first two games where the score wasn't close, uh, it was 15 points or higher was the mar- margin of defeat for the Owls, losing to Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss. 64-49 and 79-60. So not pretty good. And they almost pulled off an upset in Charlotte, but could not uh, come through as they also lost that game, 57-55. So, Eston, what do you think is uh, got to improve within FEU women's basketball as it is right now? Um. Well... I mean, when I think about women's basketball right now, it's, it's a tale of two teams, um, not only from comparing them to the men's team, but I mean, it's one thing I've noticed is the, the roster has diminished um, since the beginning of the season. And, and I think what they need to do at this point is um, try and build progress to next season. I mean, I, I hate to sound like that guy that's throwing in the towel, but, they're currently sitting at, at five and 17, one and 10 in the conference, bottom, bottom of a conference USA. You, you got to, it, it gets to a point where you try to win as many games as you can, but they're even struggling to do that. Um, so I, I think what they got to do is win, especially win their games at home, because they're at least four and eight, I believe, at home. And try and, like I said, build that progress towards next season because historically this program is one of the best on campus. Um, I mean, they made it to the conference tournament last season despite their struggles. Granted, Iggy Allen, you could argue, single-handedly carried the team, but, you know, one person can't individually bring bring a whole team to a tournament. So um, it's – they – like I said, I think they need to win their home games, um, try to win as many as possible, but especially the ones at home, and get get some progress for next season, you know? Yeah. Um, they do have one game this week, and it's just one game, and it will be against West Kentucky, of course, on Thursday, February 10th at 6 p.m. at home. So if they can get another win at home and keep uh, breaking those losing streaks, we'll – have more wins to be okay with by the time the season ends. And that will conclude our section with FEU sports. And now, national sports and with an upcoming Sunday being very special, Super Bowl 56. You already know, guys. Um, So you have the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams in Inglewood, California. So, guys, uh, what are your thoughts uh, coming into this uh, Super Bowl? 
I think the the biggest thing about this Super Bowl is the fact that the Bengals really shocked the world, knocking off the Chiefs to get here. Like that's the biggest storyline going in. This is like the ultimate underdog going against a team that is like really supposed to be there. The Rams they've kind of done what like the New York Yankees do in baseball. They've I don't want to say they bought their team, but they they flex their financial muscles and they've acquired a new a number of superstar talent. And yeah, I mean, it's like it's the the small market going up against the big market. It's like that that dynamic fascinates me. But yeah, I think uh, on the field, it's gonna be a, a it's gonna be a pretty good game. It's, I'm, the biggest matchup for me is to see where, like, how the Bengals' offensive front matches up with the, the Rams' defensive front. You know, like Aaron Donald, Von Miller, all those guys. We saw Joe Burrow get sacked like ten times against the Titans. I, I don't know how that that match is gonna play out this or in the Super Bowl. We'll see. Honestly, I'm with you, Kevin, especially in regards to the, the offensive front for the Bengals. I mean, they allowed nine sacks against the Titans and still won. Yeah. Um, so, I, and, and the thing is, is if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm concerned that something like that might happen again. Only this time, um, they're not facing a team that has an arguably, um, I don't want to say incompetent, because I don't think the Titans' offense is incompetent, but um, they're not facing a run-of-the-mill offense. They're facing a pretty explosive team in the Rams all around. So, um, it. But I guess the wild card in all of this is that, you know, on paper the Bengals should have had no chance of being here, yet they're in the game. So, you know, they might defy all logic again. And and win the whole thing. Well, when it comes down to it, uh, kudos to the Cincinnati Bengals for making it all the way to the Super Bowl, especially in the way they did while beating Las Vegas in the wild card, then upsetting the Tennessee Titans, who were the one seed in the AFC, and then taking down last year's uh, finalists in the Kansas City Chiefs. So... Respect to respect to what they achieved throughout the playoffs, but for this Super Bowl against the Rams, I, I don't think it's gonna be close. And as you yeah. mentioned, Kevin, the the Rams are stacked not on not just on offense with Matthew Stafford, who has had a great season at, in his first year after moving leaving the Detroit Lions, and then you have a receiver core of Odell, well, featuring Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham Jr. And then you look at the defense with Aaron Donald, uh, Von Miller, and everybody else in that defense. That the, is a dangerous uh, squad. Come out. That is a dangerous squad that the Bengals have to be scared of, especially when you think about the Bengals' offensive line, which has been uh, streaky, to say the least. And we noted that against the Tennessee Titans where they conceded nine sacks. So that Bengals' offensive line is the biggest question mark for Cincinnati to address heading into the Super Bowl. And I don't think they will be able to uh, make up for that weak, huge weakness once Super Bowl Sunday comes in. Yeah, but we said we said this about the Bengals, like, damn it every week going into the playoffs. And it's like they just continue to defy all the odds. It, anything could happen. Joe Burrow, like, this would be a banner, like, three years for Joe Burrow, going from, like, basically being an afterthought in college and then going on to win a, a national title in his final season. And then 
being drafted number one, tearing his ACL in his rookie season, now coming back and winning the Super Bowl. I mean, the story writes itself. That would be a, a great narrative. Who who would have thought that during the Peach Bowl in, I think it was 2019, when UCF played LSU and, and Burrow got laid out by that one linebacker. I don't know if y'all remember the play I'm talking yeah, about. I do. But it seems that ever since that one particular play where Burrow got stood up by a UCF linebacker, um, Burrow's pretty much been on a um, um, a tour of destruction of other teams, fans' hopes and dreams, and he's pretty much saying, no, I'm going to win everything in front of me. Hmm. Well, <laughs> we'll see how that goes, but, you know, well, of course, credit to the Rams, especially Matthew Stafford, who's had a, a great season. He threw for 4,886 yards. Not, that is not only the third most in the NFL this year, this was also the highest passive, passing yardage from Stafford since 20, 2011 and 2012, where he threw for over 5,000 yards and was close to doing it a second time in 2012, where he had uh, over 4,900 uh, 4, passing yards. So Stafford's passing ability as a quarterback is elite. And the Rams have taken advantage of that in the way they torched the Arizona Cardinals, got past the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending champions, and uh, neutralized San Francisco in the way they did. So the Rams are heavily powered on offense and defense, as mentioned earlier. And I just don't know how the Bengals will get past that, like that top-heavy talent that the Rams have up front. And especially since the Rams have Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald on the line, not to mention Leonard, Leonard Floyd, um, Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, Eric Weddle coming off the, off the couch to suddenly be starting in a Super Bowl, like go off. Um, (laughs) It's it, it. I mean, I mean, I can't think of a true weakness that the Rams defense has. That might be their weakness right there, Eric Weddle. I mean, as good as he is, he was on the couch a few, you know, for the past whatever it was. And he retired, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. He, he retired like two years ago or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. So he might be the, the biggest weakness for them. Not even might. I, I would have to say by default he would be because it's not Aaron Donald. It's not that front line. It's not Jalen Ramsey. So, yeah. But I don't know. Either way, this, this game could be a blowout in the Rams' favor. But then just thinking that, like, it seems so obvious that it could be just makes me feel like something crazy is going to happen. I don't know. It's going to be a fun, unpredictable Super Bowl, which we haven't really had in a long time. That's true. Um, Like, last year was supposed to be an unpredictable Super Bowl when you look at Tampa Bay and Kansas City. But it didn't turn out that way as Tampa Bay torched Kansas City. But this year... While I honestly expect it to be a blowout in favor of the Rams, it's definitely an interesting matchup that would be very fun to see to start off. And uh, as we move on from our Super Bowl predictions, we head on to the NBA, and uh, a lot has happened. Um, uh, we just had recent uh, a trade announced that new that the Portland Trailblazers will send CJ McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans. So. It's pretty much uh, showing a lot of signs that the Dame era might be on its way, on its way out. So, guys, <laughs> what do you think about that? 
And not only was CJ McCollum traded, we also had Robert Covington and Norman Powell traded. Uh, Norman Powell, who they traded Gary Trent Jr. for, a good asset, and arguably a young player on a rookie contract. So you trade for a guy for like Norman Powell, extend him, and then you trade him for basically nothing. Yeah, it seems like the Trailblazers, they're in full rebuild. The next step is Dame. Whether he gets traded before the deadline or he gets traded in the summer, more than likely this summer, I'm sure he's going to want to come back from his injuries and kind of get his feet under him, and then we'll, they'll reevaluate his value. But, yeah, it seems like the, the Dame era in Portland's over. Now it's just a matter of what team is he going to wind up on. Is it a team like like the, the Lakers or the Sixers have been rumored? Is it a wild card? I don't know. That's really the question that, that's at hand here. Yeah, it, honestly, it's um, it, it, it's not even enough to where Dame can, you know, single-handedly lead him to eight in the West anymore um, because that's how depleted the Blazers are. So um, it's it, it, it's got to suck to be a Blazers fan right now because I mean, I mean, as, as it's gotten so bad that they're out of the playing spot and New Orleans Pelicans – who just got their second best player in CJ McCollum to take their place in the playing spots? So. And they're like ten. They're like ten games below five hundred. It's like right. They're like wow. ten, nine or ten games or something. Twenty-one and thirty-three. That's the Blazers' record right now. The Pelicans are twenty-one and thirty-two. Sheesh. Yeah, they're out there. Wow. That's yeah. The play-in. Uh, the play-in is not looking like such a good idea, I guess, especially when it comes to the West. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but it looks funny. It looks funny right now. <laughs> Imagine that Pelicans team beats the Lakers in a play-in tournament. <laughs> no, no. Unless Zion is playing, I'm not, I'm not thinking that will ever happen. <laughs> Someone's going to be – someone will be eating a lot of gumbo after that victory, and uh, I think you all know who it will be. Somebody's getting traded, too. Le- LeBron's going to fire the coach, the-, the GM. The whole Lakers team is going to get f- fired. He's just he, LeBron's just waiting for Bronny to make it to the league, and then he'll just go to wherever his son ends up. Right, exactly. Yeah, after one year playing with Bronny, he's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's yeah. probably what it's looking like. And he's gonna go back to Cleveland, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that arc is finished, but we'll see. We'll see. But as we look at the standings right now, the Miami Heat, three straight wins, currently in the top seed in the East. Then you see the Milwaukee Bucks, also a three-game winning streak, second in the East. The Bulls, despite having lost two straight, they're third in the East. And the Cavs, right behind them, tied for third at fourth at the fourth spot, with Chicago having the tiebreaker, of course, which is why Chicago's third over the Cavs. Um, and then you see the Sixers at fifth. And the Raptors with a six-game winning streak as they take over the sixth spot. And who else but the Brooklyn Nets to have a eight-game losing streak and be in a playing spot. Well, uh, there's no doubt that injuries have happened to the team, especially Kevin Durant, James Harden, that has severely limited uh, Brooklyn's style offensively, even though they had Kyrie for all the, ho- all the road games that they had this past, the past few weeks. But it's been very rough for the Brooklyn Nets. So, guys, what do you think uh, Brooklyn needs right now before they start imploding at the end of the body before the end of the season? Not Ben Simmons. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, well, I mean, this is where we talked about this. Brooklyn needs to be in this spot. They need to have Kyrie available for more for more playoff games. So they need they need this. But no, I mean, I don't know that the Harden Simmons trade. I don't believe I don't know what to believe. Is it true? Is it not true? GMs are denying it. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this situation, but apparently Harden doesn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore. Shocker. Something the Sixers should have done last year. But this is what happens when you procrastinate at the very last minute. You think you're going to do it will be it will go out great. We'll get him. And then you 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 just have these rumors and it's not true. And, and then you see it's not going to happen. So when it comes to James Harden and Ben Simmons talk, it's just if it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. But the Sixers had their chance to do it. And that was last year. So I don't know if it will turn out this year, but it's very unlikely because they had a better chance last year, but they passed on that. And we see where that got them. Even though they're doing fine without Ben Simmons, as I said earlier, fifth spot in the East and pretty close to the first spot, just only two games behind. But, you know, Ben Simmons, it has done a lot of damage. (laughs) And his trade value is very low. And I don't think they'll Brooklyn will let James Harden go. And we already heard Steve Nash say they're not trading James Harden, even though there's so much you can go off of that. Okay. Hey, I mean, it's 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 fitting that the Sixers didn't trade him in time because, like Ben Simmons, they missed their shot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then after going, going past Brooklyn, we have the Boston Celtics, five straight yeah. wins. So starting to get uh, some and- momentum. Uh, back at full strength, finally. You they got a, and and they got. I I like the um the two guys they got in the three team deal, getting a bull bull and PJ Doz PJ Dozier. Um, yeah, but they're injured, so we won't see uh them for a while. It, but when they get healthy though, that's th- th- those could be two kind of under the radar pickups that might be good long term. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And then after Boston, we have the Charlotte Hornets, who have who have suffered a five-game losing streak, falling to the ninth spot. And you have the Atlanta Hawks, who have taken over the tenth spot after Washington uh, fell apart. Is falling after the Washington Wizards are starting to fall apart uh, after being in the top four of the East. They have fallen out of the playing spots, and the Hawks have taken their place after a recent winning streak. Even though they have lost two straight games, it's starting to look like Atlanta is finally starting to recover what they had last season. So definitely expect a tight race for at least one of the playing spots. And then, have, and then after Washington, you have the Knicks, who had a great um, <laughs> meltdown against the Los Angeles Lakers, who we'll get yeah. into very soon. Yeah. Uh, it was like a Saturday, yeah, Saturday. So, <laughs> hey, you're trying to get me emotional, man. It's it's, it's working. I don't know. Like Julius <laughs> Randle, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett should be most improved. I I I'd support that to be honest, but I would not. I mean, <laughs> I would not. I would not. The guy was drafted number three overall. He, you know, he's supposed to be like in a trajectory of John Morant. Like that, he's that's where he's supposed to be. He's not supposed to be fighting for a most improved spot, you know. He said he's uh, he hasn't improved very much. His season averages, too, they're pretty much 
identical. Actually, have gone down. I actually from last season. So yeah, I I can't support that one. <laughs> okay, Kevin. Okay, <laughs> we'll move on for your next pain. We'll move on. And the Pacers, uh, Detroit Pistons, and Orlando Magic, uh, basically bottom in the East. Not, not much to say there. And yeah. we'll quickly move on to the West. The Suns, forty-three and ten, controlling the top spot in the West. And right behind them is a nine-game winning streak, Golden State Warriors. And and they're at full strength, even though they're without Draymond Green at the moment. They're still they're still balling. Nine straight wins is not something to joke about. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The way the Warriors, yeah, they're they're still a lot of people are starting to question for a little bit when Curry was going through a slump. Like, oh, the Warriors, did they kind of get hot? They're like a flash in the pan. They're gonna fizzle out. Yeah, all that talk is is gone. I mean, they figured out a way to play without Draymond. They still need Draymond though to be a, a successful playoff team. I don't foresee them making a big playoff run. I just, I can't see them knocking off like the Grizzlies or the Suns without him, but it's still for the regular season. It's still impressive what they're doing without him. Yeah. And then after going to say, you got the Memphis Grizzlies who we talked about a lot from the past few weeks with how they played very well, especially, especially John Morant in particular, they currently have a 37 and 18 record, which is not what we quite expected for them at this point of the season. But still, kudos to them for being in the top three of the West. And then right behind them, well, three and a half games behind Memphis is the Utah Jazz, who just got Donovan Mitchell back and are just starting to uh, recover from that uh, season-ending injury to Joe Ingles, which, which was very unfortunate for him. But best of luck to him on his recovery. And um, you have the Dallas Mavericks at fifth. Not much to say there. It was kind of expected. And then you had the Denver Nuggets who are holding on with Nikola Jokic still balling out of his mind. The up-and-coming Minnesota Timberwolves on a four-game winning streak with Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell. Great job from their great job from their end. The Clippers at eight, who just did some trades throughout this past week. And right behind them, the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> they, they did pull off the win against the Knicks on, on Saturday, but it had a lot of uh, suffering to go through, especially the first half where they were down over 20 points. And then they had to come back and had to win the game in overtime because they couldn't defend the three-point shot in regulation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to to deviate some of my pain, I'll bring up the the clip that that you guys probably saw on social media that went viral of the crowd chanting no at Westbrook when he went and he squared (laughs) up for a three-pointer. (laughs) <laughs> that's classic classic nba twitter man that's just uh god I'm, I'm glad that that clip went viral that's just too funny man you know it's bad when your own fans don't want you to shoot a three like that's like that's the next level yeah it, <laughs> please tell me you got something to say about it um <laughs> listen you, you mentioned it was a painful game for the lakers the other night um this whole season's been painful for them um <laughs> Uh, I, I I mean, you know, again, so much for those uh, th- that NBA Finals hype that they were supposed to get. I, I know it's you know we're not even at the All Star Weekend yet. You know, still plenty of time, but um, they're not going to make the finals. They're not even going to make the Western Conference Finals. So, um, you know, kudos to them for barely beating the Knicks at home. Um, like, good for them. Cool. <laughs> 
Like, I, I, you, you know, you oh, had the man. bench. You had the bench, Russell Westbrook, who, but by the way, like, I, I will stand by this that Russell Westbrook is their second, actually, no, their third best player on the team. Yeah. And he, he, I think that the Lakers are better with him on the court. So, I mean, it's just total dysfunction. If it wasn't for the Rams in the Super Bowl right now, the Lakers would be getting so much more attention because they're the L.A. team and the Rams are outshining them. So after the Super Bowl, I can't wait to see all a lot of the focus then be slanted and pivot towards the Lakers and just how um, just how bad they've been. It, it, it's kind of like how it was in LeBron's first season in Los Angeles where there were all these expectations and just because LeBron was there that – suddenly they were going to be the team to beat um well um there it's hard for them to find a team to beat so <laughs> the, the westbrook trade was a mistake and, and it's being exposed yeah. as such they traded all these valuable assets that guys that helped them win a, a championship in the bubble like kuzma and kcp for westbrook who doesn't fit they should have known this like i don't know how they expected westbrook to fit with lebron he's just they just wanted to be top heavy. That was the reason. <laughs> who would have Who would have thought that Lakers fans would want Kyle Kuzma over Russell Westbrook? <laughs> I, I don't know if they'll go that far, especially for Kuzma for <laughs> what he calls them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But Caruso was the one that was like, when they like go Alex Caruso, yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. Was the biggest mistake, not the trade. Yeah. Uh, the trade it would have been fine if they kept Caruso, but no. <laughs> like you're the Lakers, bro. You could afford to pay Alex Caruso. Come on. Exactly, exactly. And while the Lakers are finally back at full strength, even though they're still without Kendrick Nunn, who has yet to play for them this season, they're basically back at full strength with Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. They're they're back at full strength. They're fully healthy now, and. For for now, so hoping the Lakers can uh, finally get back to winning games, as Esten mentioned that they need <laughs> to beat teams. They <laughs> they need to have teams to beat. So, it, it's if they can get like a fifth or sixth seed, be uh, that would be good for them because I don't think they can survive another playing situation like they did last season. I don't think that would be the case. They, they could get by. It depends who they play. You know, like if they play the Clippers or the Pelicans, they, they could they could they could get by. The Timberwolves may give them a, a bit of a challenge, but yeah, the Timberwolves are gonna be a scary team in the plane, especially the plane. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but yeah, we'll see what happens from here on out, especially after All Star Break, which will be. Oh, like a hey, week look at this, now, and we'll talk we, about that later. <laughs> we, we got a blockbuster trade that just came in. Uh, DeMontis Sabotis got traded to the Kings for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Dang. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, okay. Yeah, the Pacers are in full rebuild. There's no doubt about it. I know Sacramento's trying to add some pieces, and they do get a great frontcourt player in DeMontis Sabonis. So... That's a good haul for the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy oh, Heald, that's, that's yeah, nice. that's a good that's, trade. Yeah. That's good but, for Sabonis. Wow, yeah. But you get the sense that Indiana would be in rebuild mode anyway. So, 
But yeah, yeah they're obviously developing a lot of they're obviously developing or rebuilding, getting some good pieces, especially Tyrese Halliburton. That's a steal. Mm-hmm. Oh and yeah. Sacramento continues getting robbed of their best young players. That is sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, mm. with that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. And also be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Eston, at Eston Parker, and for Kevin, at KevinGar658. Thanks for watching, and have a great day, everybody.